know how to how to start this. Yeah, this is um, this all just kind of came together in <laughs> like the last like two hours or so. Like, well, well how, what's the running what's the running time of Borat? It would be within the last eighty four minutes. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this whole thing kind of like started as me jokingly putting on Borat, and then we watched it, and we're like, let's do this i guess let's do it so this is not this is not some out of the blue like uh spur of the moment borat podcast recording i would say i mean i mean it is it is it is in the sense that we did not plan to be recording this at 11 30 p.m central time i can't even fucking imagine what time of day it is is, in your neck of the woods it is it is 5 30 in the morning On a Sunday, uh, <laughs> the Lord's Day. Yeah, perfect for watching. For perfect for watching the 2006 film Borat: Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. Right. So, uh, so like I was trying to say, you've been bopping around this idea for a while. Would you like to kind of uh, try to get us sort of an intro, like a running start into what this? fucking abomination actually is right so like the idea has kind of uh i would say changed uh over the last like i want to say like 18 months maybe it's been a while yeah. it's been a long time yeah it has like originally the idea was that i would watch the classic 2006 uh film borat every week and the general idea was every week I would have another guest um, with the idea uh-huh. that anyone at all, whoever they are, uh, was allowed to come on the show and be a guest and watch Borat with me and talk about it. Uh, the, mm-hmm. o- the only caveat was you were not allowed to be like a member of the UCB theater or like one. <laughs> of, you were not allowed to be one of these people that like um, just kind of makes their living somehow by like guesting on other people's podcasts. And cause I was sure. Cause like I was sure. super frustrated with this like trend I noticed where like the same five to like 10 podcasts would like cycle through just like this bunch of improv people or whatever. Um, uh-huh. and now I guess the concept has changed to where. <laughs> You and I are going to watch Borat every week until one or both of us get sick of it, in, at which point um, we have to find somebody to replace us. Um, yeah, uh, so I will say I will say right off the bat, I think that it would still be a great idea to get other people on the show. Yes, I agree. If this is something that ends up continuing, I would love for this to be like a three-person podcast where we bring people into mm-hmm. the world of Borat right. as we kind of go along. It bears mentioning, though, that you pitched this to me, like, I would say at least a year ago at this point. Oh, yeah. I don't know how long, I don't know how long it's been percolating in your brain, but I probably first heard about it, like, like you said, maybe a little over a year ago, and because I'm a fucking crazy person i was like yeah fuck yes yeah. i would love to be on a podcast with my great friend niall where we watch fucking borat every week until uh 
the end of time, essentially. But I, I think um, I think it's a good idea to kind of set the standard that one or both of us could essentially switch out at any point during this podcast right. because Borat is eternal. It belongs to the people. Yes. It's a film that is sort of of the world, of the earth. It belongs to the human race, I would say, and not mm-hmm. belongs to Sacha Baron Cohen or to 20th Century Fox, or to whoever else may have this finger in the pie, it is truly a proletariat film (laughs) that, I would say, exposes the hypocrisy of modern-day capitalist society. I I think that's being very generous, but um, this is going to be a really interesting take on this film, because I did not take notes on Borat. I didn't either, no. I did not sit down expecting to record a fucking, <laughs> I assume, probably an hour-long podcast on this we'll fucking see, movie tonight. We'll see what we have to say. I Like, there's a part of me that I thinks, have a lot to say. Yeah, I have a lot to say. <laughs> okay, because, like, as we were sort of sitting there watching it and, like, we're kind of joking about whether or not we were going to do this recording, there was a part of me that was like, this is either going to be like a 15-minute podcast or like an two hour, hours. An hour minutes. I think and that's the cap. <laughs> I guess it's like, I guess it's like, this first episode is just going to be a general like, uh, like, overview of Borat and kind of our first impressions, because I probably have not watched this movie since I was like 14 years old, I would say. This is, uh, this is almost certainly one of the first R-rated movies I ever saw, uh, because my parents saw it in theaters. They thought it was fucking hilarious. So I would say the first, like, five R-rated films I saw in my life, if we're going down the list, it would be Pulp Fiction, uh, both of the Kill Bill movies, the really bad, well, not bad. It's just cheesy, but I have a very soft spot in my heart. The uh, the the Tim Burton Sweeney Todd movie, which also coincidentally has Sacha Baron Cohen in it. Then I would say mm-hmm. the other one would be Borat, and then like The Hangover, and those would probably be the first five, maybe Reservoir Dogs. But the point is, is that. I have a very vivid memory of seeing this film for the first time and having my, like, teenage gourd just blown the fuck open. Like, thinking it was the funniest goddamn movie ever made. So I have not seen this movie and I would say probably... Let's let's spitball it, like, 12 years or so. Like, I probably watched this in, like, 2007, 2008. Uh, right. Because I would have been... I would have been 11 when it came out, so give it a couple years. I would say 2009 is probably when I watched this for the first time. But the point is, is it's been at least 10 years since I've seen this film, so I'm coming to it with fairly fresh eyes. Mm. I would love, Niall, to hear your experience with the film Borat. Yeah, I I also haven't watched it since the first time I've seen it, uh, despite the fact that I think I've spent, like... Pretty much as long as we've known each other threatening, like, our group of friends <laughs> that we're gonna watch this movie. Um, so I, I think this came out, like, right around when I turned 16. Um, and I remember seeing it, uh, in the theater with a couple of friends. And it was the first, and I think probably still the only experience I've ever had in a movie theater where the crowd was just, like, going wild. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, people were freaking out, laughing, like, their heads off. I had never experienced anything like Borat, and, like, I hadn't really been exposed to Borat as a character, because obviously he'd been around for, 
you know, three or four years. years. Yeah, like he was on the Daily G show and stuff like that, which even though it was like big over here, I never watched it. Um, So like that was Mm -hmm. my first experience with Borat was just going, seeing this movie. Uh, I want to say like it might have been like the thing I did for my birthday was go with my friends, but like I might be (laughs) wrong. Yeah, I might be wrong. But it was definitely around that point in time. um, And yeah, I just like remember like thinking it was the funniest movie that I had ever seen and i haven't seen it since yeah. and yeah, yeah. Like, it's- i think that's a fairly that's a fairly accurate assessment i think um the intrinsic problem that we're going to run up against in discussing borat at least for this first outing here right is that this movie i have to assume was fairly instrumental in shaping kind of our sense of humor because I think this is the kind of movie that led to the creation of stuff like uh, the Eric Andre show and like Nathan yeah. for you and that kind yeah. of stuff. Like it's very sort of uh, in that same vein. Yeah. But the problem we run into is that Borat has not aged particularly well, especially for us who are decidedly outside of the audience of, I would say, teenagers and old white men, you know? Yeah. Like, like I feel like that's got to be the target audience for this movie. Yeah, I, I think so. And, may- uh, and, and maybe me- not old white men, but, like, middle-aged, like... I, I don't know. I don't know. There's there's a je ne sais quoi to the target audience of Borat that I can't quite pin down. I would say we, as we are in our current states, uh, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> probably not. Probably no. not included. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I feel like, obviously, like this is true of pretty much everything, but Borat is such a time capsule of it like, really is of, of, it really is it's such a time capsule of like post 9-11 like where you still have this where i guess the wounds are still raw right like and you yeah, still have yeah. this very strong undercurrent of xenophobia of fear of the outsider of all this like just like inherent just fear that i guess was part of us uh living at the time and then yeah you have this yeah. like character that is shining a light on i guess the ugly part of post 9-11 america which is yeah is that would yeah that's like the most generous way to interpret this film i would right. say is that it's um such a baron cohen less than five years out from 9-11 because this was released uh like, like, finished and released in August. And so, I think that, like, if you're looking for any sort of cultural footing for Borat, you do kind of look at the scenes where he is using this, like, caricature stereotype to kind of expose the people for, for mm-hmm. what they are. Right. But, um, it is, it is super interesting because we can't talk about this movie without talking about the trauma of 9-11. Yeah. And, um, I, th- I think it's really interesting for me because, when when the twin towers fell i was like i was like 6 years old you know like mm-hmm. i i vividly remember being in like first grade being in the cafeteria i was eating oreos from the fucking snack line and this announcement came on the loudspeaker like hey we're not having recess today and i was like oh that's kind of fucked up and then my dad showed up my dad took me home had no goddamn idea what was going on right. and then i remember going home and like seeing at least one of the towers fall and so 
I think for me, this movie is interesting because when I saw it the first time, I was very much living in that sort of America. You know, Mm -hmm. my dad was very conservative, my mom somewhat less so. And so for me, a lot of the, a lot of the stereotypes and a lot of the jokes in Borat just felt very natural, you know? Right. And I didn't really think about it at the time because that was kind of not only the stereotypes I had grown up with, but the cultural, the cultural atmosphere of paranoia and xenophobia that I had not really remembered anything other than because, you know, when you're fucking six years old, you don't kind of absorb that shit. Exactly. Like, you don't think about that. Right. And then you realize now, being 24 years old, like, hey, it was kind of fucked up that they had freedom fries after 9-11, <laughs> that people were kind of profiting off that. So, I... <laughs> The long, the long and short of it is that Borat is a very stupid movie, but you have to have this kind of cultural context to, I guess, understand why it was made in the first place. I suppose. I think because so, yeah. that is that is very much the vein of quote unquote comedy. This is trying to tap. Right. I. Uh, I. I. I don't really know what else I have to say to set up this fucking movie. It was made. Um, uh, it was made as a spinoff of Ali G in the house, which yes. like you said, I've never seen. Yeah. It had a sequel called Bruno, which maybe even maybe yeah. even worse than Borat. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> something tells me that Bruno, um, yeah. for all, for all that, like, uh, certain recurring jokes in Borat have aged very poorly. Something tells me yeah. that like, there is absolutely nothing about Bruno that, Ten years on would be salvageable. Um, I'm I'm really glad I don't remember anything about Bruno. Yeah, uh, I remember he goes to a sex party, and that's essentially it. So, what do we? How do we want to start this? Do we just want to start by kind of going step by step through the film Borat? Yeah, let's. I I guess that would probably be like be a good baseline for this, like as okay. an episode zero is to yeah to see how yeah. much of this we can actually like remember. Remember, <laughs> yeah, because I I like I said I was only half paying attention until like once the idea that we were actually going to record something on this came up, I started paying a little bit more attention. Mm-hmm. But um, the beginning of this kind of slipped through my fingers. I am going to look up right now as we begin this. And see if there is a Borat wiki that has a much deeper. Uh, well, here's Borat on the simple Wikipedia. Okay. I, the main character Borat is a rude, stupid reporter who interviews famous people and ordinary people. Uh, the movie was very popular, but also seen as wrong and offensive by some people. This is because it was seen as anti-Semitic and racist. <laughs> Uh, Sacha Baron Cohen says this is wrong and he is Jewish himself. So that's as good as any uh, intro to yeah. the world of, of <laughs> Borat. So why don't we go ahead and get started? Uh, we start with the uh, titular character Borat in his hometown in Kazakhstan. Right. So this is this is where we get kind of a this is where we get kind of a, an overview of his life in his home country. Mm-hmm. We did touch on this while we were watching the movie, but I did not believe that Kazakhstan was a real place until after I had watched this film. Like I had no awareness of it whatsoever, right. which I think is probably why they picked it. Because yeah. there's no way people in America would would know that that's a real country. Yeah, like I think, um, like you said, like it, it's one of these uh, sort of 
former Soviet states that I don't think a lot of people outside of, you know, Europe where, where they're, or, you know, or Russia even, you know, like that sort of area where you're looking at maps of your own continent or whatever and seeing these places, like, you could have picked Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, and I'm sure the majority of, like, the target audience in the U.S. would have not heard of it, so I think that's why they oh, yeah. did that. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's it's weird, too, because, like, it paints such a a picture of this country as, like, it, it's almost like the... What's the best way of putting it? It's, like, the way that people in Europe think Americans think of, like, other countries, you know? It, it's sort yeah. of it's sort of that kind... That's, like, the way I kind of think of it in my head. It's, like, an outsider's view of what America thinks of other places in a weird way. That's... That's really interesting because I kind of thought that it was a pretty spot-on recreation of what I would say a lot of people in America, at least people, especially in, like, the right wing and such, mm -hmm. would consider, like, a, a Soviet country to look like under communism. You know, right. it's this, it's this, it's this weird shithole. It's, like, vaguely Eastern European, but you can't quite place where it is. Mm -hmm. There's, like, cows walking in the street. Like, it's very obviously very impoverished. Um... I, I, I think what you're saying is right because he, he, he does take a very, this is the thing about Borat is that there are some things <laughs> in this movie that I have to give him props for, yeah, you know, definitely. and like his idea of what the fucking blue collar, like, like conservative working Jew would think of an Eastern European country is fucking spot on. Right. Like, like, like this is, this, this really nails it over the head. Um, we get we get this like tour of his hometown. Not a lot of this really stands out to me. Um, there no. is like a there is like a shitty like oh my wife is breaking my back. My mom is like forty seven years old, but she's obviously like eighty six. Yeah, um, he, he's like um, she's like the oldest person in the town or whatever, right? Yeah, like and she's like forty six yeah, years old. There's yeah, there's a there's a scene where he like. Uh, he like starts making out with a woman, and then he turns to the camera. And is like she is my sister, you know. Like, yeah, well, I love you. Uh. Yeah. Um, he takes he takes us through his home, which is like a single room with a very low ceiling. Um, I actually really love his his stupid bed that he has in this, mm -hmm. where it's like as it's like a CRTV, like a tape yeah. deck, and like a ton of stuffed animals. Yeah. Like <laughs> That's, I think that's aged. That's aged incredibly well in 2019 because that would just be my fucking bedroom. CRT for playing my retro games, fucking mm -hmm. tape deck, and and a shitload of stuffed animals. You know, so yeah. props to Borat for that. One. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's very proud of his VCR player. Yeah, um, as he should be. And I think this is around as well where he's like, as he's kind of. Um, telling us about who he is as a person as well we start seeing like we see this cutaway of him playing like table tennis and we both just like at the same yeah. time had the yeah. reaction of this dude is really fucking tall like so what they do in this movie what they do in this movie is that i think they have to do it intentionally is that they contrast mm -hmm. sacha baron cohen which i i accurately guessed is is six feet four inches tall 
with like all these fairly short people. Right. And yes. I, it's 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 like it's I'm gonna say in Borat's credit, I don't want to defend this film too much because it does get worse the more we go oh, yeah. through it. The the visual comedy of him being six four with all these people who are like five and a half feet or under is actually yeah. really good. It's, it's very good. It's, it's super good. Um, we do kind of get the first the first thing in this, which is like the whole running of the Jews thing. Yeah. yeah. Which this is a really I think this is a really fraught thing in that as that as the article says he is Jewish, like it is mm-hmm. his right to like do this sort of comedy. But it's so <laughs> at first blush, it's so it's so much, you know. It's, it's, it's really a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's a lot. It's a lot. There's like these uh there's like it's like this like uh running of the bull style yes. thing where these people are being chased by these awful Jewish caricatures of this man and his wife as like these like very stereotypical hook nosed demons. Yeah, they're like these like nine foot like golems then there's like there's a part where like the the woman like crouches down and lays an egg and it's like yeah. this enormous egg and suddenly all the kids like come running off the street and start like just beating the shit out of the egg while Borat is like cheering them on because it, he doesn't want them to hatch I... another Jew or whatever and it's like oh my god this is a lot like I think I think and again this is maybe not my place to comment on. I will say sure. that this movie is is very fraught. Right. Uh, there's going to be a lot in this movie that's like traversing a minefield. Yes. Yes. I think I think if you are doing a style of satire like uh, Taika Waititi with that new movie he has coming out called Jojo Rabbit mm-hmm. where he's like kind of taking the piss out of the Nazis for the sake of highlighting like the plight of like Jewish people and that kind of thing. I think for a non like a non-Jewish audience, I think that tracks because it, it's it's very clear satire. You know, it sure, has it has sure. a very it has a very like clear purpose. It has a very defined intent, and you can tell who or what is being satired. I mm-hmm. think I think what what Cohen does in this film is is it's it's quote unquote satire. It's it's kind of a parody, but it still works to perpetuate like those weird stereotypes. You know, yeah. like like there's nothing about it. There's nothing about it that comes out the other end of like saying like oh you know where I'm the 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 Jewish people have had such a bad run in the past and mm-hmm. I can kind of laugh about it. It's like no, I am intentionally demonizing my my own people for the sake of this like shitty comedy, and and I I, I don't know like like maybe the intent behind it is different, but regardless of the intent, I think it still kind of perpetuates that like bad comedic stereotype you know and and i think i think with a movie like this you kind of just have to take it at face value yeah i think the thing is um like you can sort of and again like for us we're kind of a step removed because neither of us are jewish but um yeah exactly like i think like you said it perpetuates these negative stereotypes about jewish people um and i can see that playing into it but it only does that until you kind of or not only does that i I guess i'm saying like once you realize that he is jewish like it sort of adds another layer onto it you know whereas Uh if you didn't know that sasha baron cohen was jewish it would be very like it would read very differently i think um 
And I, it I, just, I, it, yeah, I, I think like, obviously, you know, again, w- like this is something that I think would be more interesting to like get the perspective of somebody who's Jewish on this. And hopefully we will as we go through this. But yeah, I think it's, it's certainly odd in a certain way, I think. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't add anything to the yeah, conversation, you it know, doesn't. there's no point for it besides, besides grotesquerie, I would yeah. say. Which you know is fine. It's fine in some contexts, but it's in this movie. It's just like, like wow, you're really. It's it's just shock value, you know. Yeah, and I'm and I'm sure, like you said, it probably has contributed to some of the shitty things that people still believe about, um, you know, Jewish people in this sort of ultra reactionary age that we've uh sort of entered the past three or four years so it's yeah it's uh you know we're 22 minutes into this podcast and we have had so much legitimate cultural criticism jesus christ and we're still like on like the first 10 minutes the the first like five minutes of this movie so so the important part here is that he is set out by the Kazakh Ministry of Information mm-hmm. to go to the United States and make a documentary about American culture. And um, the way that he does this is he goes to the city of New York with his producer, which Wikipedia listens as Azamat Bagatov, mm-hmm. and uh, his his pet hen. Yes. So we get we get him we get him leaving the airport, and I think the next the next kind of. Um, I, I don't really it's remember. The subway, I, th- I want to say, right where he's like. Yes, yes. The first thing we get, the first thing we get is that he's on the subway, where he's where he's interacting with people, and it's like straight up an Eric Andre. Yeah, it, it's like the it's the it's basically the craft punk bit where he's just like on the subway <laughs> and puking. Like it's essentially yeah. that. Um, I so in that sense that did that did make me laugh because there's this part where he brings this like chicken out of his luggage and people are like yeah i don't know people he, like, drops people the in suitcase new york and it just like starts freaking out and <laughs> yeah people in new york are in a fucking different vibe mm. at least the people they put in this movie um this is this is one of the like actually i think legitimately funny scenes in this movie if, if not just because it reminds me of this like style of comedy that's kind of since propagated where it's very confrontational and like surrealist you know mm-hmm. uh, and this is actually the moment in the movie where i realized that i forgot that this is like it's like jackass you know yeah. because for some reason in my mind i had remembered this movie as like just like a funny like kind of narrative thing for for whatever fucking reason the fact that this was like pulling real ass people into it mm-hmm. without their knowledge had like completely left my brain and this was the moment where like half this movie just came like rushing back to me like immediately yeah. and um it sets up the vibe fairly well uh <laughs> it's fucking stupid i think after this it's all um it's all him, like, on the streets of New York, right? Yeah, it's like he's... And, and he does this on the subway as well, where he's, like, trying to introduce himself to people, and he's trying to kiss people. Like, on the cheeks. Yeah, well, yeah on the cheeks. Um, and people are, like, just getting aggro with him. He's on the streets, and he tries to, like, shake hands and kiss some guy, and the dude is, like... He, like, threatens to kick him in the balls or something. <laughs> he <Yeah. laughs> He chases another dude who's trying to run away from him. And then it has, like... I think maybe the single moment in this movie that is aged the best where it's a shot of like the front of Trump Towers and he's just squatting and taking a shit 
like in front of his Trump Tower. It's aged remarkably it's well in the year 2019. So it's so it's, good. It's super good. Uh, it's super good. We stand. We stand a woke legend in Borat, yeah. except not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Um, the the kind of next bit we get after this, from what my memory serves, is him checking into the hotel and there's this extended bit where he acts like the elevator is his hotel room yeah he's like um he's emptying out a suitcase and the dude is like no sir sir this is not your room and he's like oh i won't go to a smaller room and he gets taken eventually and he's like he's taken to this nice ish hotel room and he's like oh i'm Mm -hmm. the king in the castle and he's like washing his face out of the toilet and yeah uh, Yeah. and that's when he sort of discovers what will become sort of the main narrative through line of the rest of the movie because or is that later it that is later no, i know that is later because he he goes to interview some people and then he comes back and he's like complaining that he can't work the tv right yeah who does he who does he interview though this is this he, is kind of a this is a gap two, in my memory right like uh-huh. he does too and like it, first it shows him getting ready where you know like his uh, what's his name? Azamat is like, uh, yeah. like blow drying his ass and everything. And so he mm-hmm. interviews, um, first he, in- he does say, I will say, what does he say? He says my back pussy at one my, point. My back pussy. Yeah. That's what he calls Which it. Which in, in an era where bussy is like, is like a <laughs> word of slang has also aged fairly well. I would yeah, say, except bussy yeah. is generally not using back as the first word there. Right. But, um, so that, then that has aged fairly well. Yeah. So then we have the two interviews, and I can't remember which order they're in, but one is uh-huh. the group of feminists, and the other is the joke guy. I think. Gosh, I don't know. I think I feel like the joke guy is first, but um, I think so. The, you know, the more we watch this, the more we'll remember. Right. So uh, yeah. let's just let's just go off the assumption that the joke guy is first here. He goes in. Sure to see this joke guy with this like dr phil haircut uh there's this i i don't know if this is intentional or not they meet in this like classroom and on the mm-hmm. whiteboard there's all this stuff where it talks about like jokes like uh ethnic stereotypes and like what's taboo and like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's intentionally placed there by cohen or if that's just like how that was when they got there but it feels very prescient for like the overall thrust of this movie you know see I I was like thinking that as well, and I was reading what was on the um, the board, and I'm pretty sure it was like uh, intentional because like if you look at like the jokes, there's like the racial ethnic, and then there's like a group off it that lists you know different um, ethnicities and stuff, and one of like they're all you know like Asian, Black, Hispanic, uh-huh. and then like the fourth one is like Uzbek. Um, gotcha. And as yeah. we see, like yeah, yeah, during yeah. the movie, Borat hates Uzbekistan, basically. So, like, it's character development. Yeah. So that's, I think, yeah, um, intentional. It's, it's, it's. I, I don't know. Like, like it. Uh, so, so kind of the kind of the kind of the point of this scene is that he he's trying to learn how to tell jokes for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Uh, this movie doesn't have a lot of jokes in it, you know? That's one thing that I would say Borat <laughs> lacks. Uh, has a lot of shock value, has a lot of, like, physical comedy, but no, not a whole lot of, like, actual, like, traditional jokes. Um, right. The, uh, the only part I remember of this scene is that he tells a story about how he, like, fucked his sister or something like that. Like, I, I think... And, and th- 
I think what it is is he's like no his he, mother-in-law he's like he's like oh i have a mother-in-law yes joke. that that's yeah that's one of them I, he also tells a joke he does tell a joke about his sister in sex which is very like very tasteless and is aged very poorly where he's basically yes. asking the dude like is like do you in america find it funny to um make fun of the mentally disabled and he's basically making a joke about how his mentally disabled brother uh, sexually assaulted his sister. Essentially, it, fucks, um, it fucking sucks. It's, it's real bad. It's real bad. Um, that's like that's like the first. Well, no, no, it's not. Never no, mind. I was gonna say not. that's. The, <laughs> there's a lot of bad jokes in this movie. That is certainly one of them. The uh, the kind of the kind of the most iconic part of this scene though is when he learns how to do the not joke. Yes, where, not where, joke. Yeah, where he's like, oh. My suit is black. Not. Yeah. He's, the dude is like, no, you don't. It's. He's like, my suit is black. Pause not. Or, you know, or the dude is like, there's, he's just like holding the pause forever and stuff like that. You know, there's, there's a touch of comedy in this yeah. bit. Like, like mm-hmm. there's a, there's a bit of comedy. It reminds me a lot of uh, Steve Carell as Michael Scott in the office where like, He's he's very confident in his abilities, but like can't can't just like pull it off correctly, you know. Right. Right. And I haven't watched a lot of The Office, but I feel like I feel like in this scene, it's kind of a kind of a valid touchstone. Um, mm-hmm. The the not joke actually does not come up again until the very end of the movie. Uh, so they so they really they really lay that one out early to kind of yeah. pay it off later. I would say, yeah. That's, uh, I'm gonna be honest, that's, that's not one of the, uh, mo- parts of this movie I remember. I remember Wawa Wiwa. I mm. remember my wife. I remember very nice. Mm-hmm. But not is one that I remember being fairly widespread at the time of this movie's yeah. release. But, um, just kind of, just kind of slipped my mind. Yeah, I feel After- like, I feel like the, the not, uh, bit was sort of, because Borat has had a weird like life cycle where it was the funniest thing in the world and then everyone hated it and now it's the funniest thing in the world again. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in that sort of space in between, I feel like the not video occasionally would still pop up on Twitter as people like really loving it. Maybe it's just the circles that I uh, like. I think I, I mean, I agree. I think uh, I think in terms of how we are these days, like just poisoned by irony and mm-hmm. like really kind of in that thing, the, the his kind of awkward like Tim and Eric delivery on like the not is it, it really resonates in right. in this day and age still like like it's aged it's aged fairly well. What hasn't aged well though, I would say, is his meeting with the uh, the feminist group that right. either comes before or after this. I'm assuming it's afterwards because that's how I that's how I remember mm-hmm. it. I, I, I want to say, like, they cut to that a few times, um, but, mm-hmm. yeah, basically, it's exactly what you'd expect. Um, you know, he does the whole, do you think women should have the right to be educated, but aren't women's brains scientifically proven to be the size of a squirrel's or whatever? It's it's exactly what it's you just, think it is. It's just boring, yeah. you know? Like, the purpose of it is just to kind of laugh at the reaction of these people who are getting more and more mm. pissed off. Um, I will say though, actually, this has to come after he sees the Baywatch episode yeah, because he just... asks them about where Pamela Anderson is. Right. Uh, yeah. 
So we are a little confused in the timeline. I think after the comedy thing is when he goes back to his uh, yes, uh, okay. hotel and sure. can't figure out the TV. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah, so basically yeah. He, he can't figure out the TV. Hotel attendant comes up, shows him how to you know switch channels. And as he's switching through, he stumbles upon Baywatch and he falls in love with Pamela Anderson. And he basically like watches Baywatch all night before he goes to the thing. And then he decides... Uh, that he's going to... Yeah, because the feminists tell him that Pamela Anderson is in California. Um, yeah, because he's like, he's like I, I saw this beautiful lady on mm-hmm. this, like, Baywatch, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you can't you can't meet her. That's that's Pamela Anderson. And so then, like you said, the, the, the fucking script writing, like, like, script writing 101 inciting incident of this film is fucking Borat watching an episode of Baywatch. Yeah. Uh, which, which is really, which is really great. Um, yeah. I, uh, conceptually at the very least. So then, then the whole, th- the conflict is that, he, uh, the conflict then is he wants to go to California, but, Azamat is like, I've already booked everything for New York, and, you know, like, you have all these things lined up. So then what we get is, again, I'm not sure which order this is in. I think he does the driving lessons first, and then he buys the car, right? So what what, what occurs here is that first... um, one of the other conflicts here is that his wife will like like oh, like yes. chop his cock off yes. if he like cheats on her or whatever, and then he gets a, then he gets a telegram that says his wife has been killed by a bear, yes. and he makes he makes the dude who delivers the telegram read it to him, and then at the end we get kind of the very nice like oh my wife's dead very nice and he like high, high fives the dude yeah. and the dude's like on board with it too yeah. which is like like he's he's like he's like oh yeah like it's so fucking fucked it's, up it's really wild it's really good um so then after that we get the um we get the thing where we learn that Asmat is not going to fly in a plane to California because he thinks that the Jews will repeat the September 11th That's attacks. That's right. Yes, I forgot and about so that. So then after that bullshit, we get to Borat taking the driving lessons for the first time. And this dude who's the driving instructor is is a is is a fucking standout character. Yeah, in he this, has in, in this first watch. He has like the patience of Job. This motherfucker is just it's so like, good because he is like so. It starts in you know Borat does his thing where he shakes hands and kisses him on the cheek, and he's like, oh well, that's okay. We don't th- do that here, but that's fine. And like, yeah, there's this weird like undercurrent where like throughout it, Borat is just like doing like just being a little too handsy with the guy and just like making him slightly uncomfortable but the dude is like clearly trying to um like he's clearly of the mind that like this is a guy from another culture i'll tolerate it yeah you know yeah um which again is something we'll see we'll see later um but you know borat is He's driving, he's, like, screaming at people on the road. He tries to open a bottle of vodka, I want to say, at one point. And yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's like some kind of bottle of uh, alcohol. Yeah. Um, and he's like, nope, nope, you can't do that. Like, uh-uh. Yeah. Uh, he tells Borat he's going to get them thrown in jail at one point because Borat's, like, <laughs> threatening to make somebody eat his shit or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh... It's, <laughs> it's, it's really stupid. Like, the whole thing is, like... The, this whole sequence, I would say, is very, like standard like kind of like jackass like yeah. eric andre kind of bullshit like like there's not really any invention to it no but just this guy like trying his fucking best to be tolerant of this and be patient and just be as accommodating as possible is is really great because right. a lot of the uh, a lot of the other comedy we get in this show is supposed to come from people being shocked or like turning aggressive and that kind of thing but this mm-hmm. is just like a normal like a normal fucking dude like like trying his best out here in the world which i think is really great he also has a this dude has a lot of veins on his forehead too i noticed <laughs> that like that's one thing that really stood out to me is that it, it it cuts to one shot of one side of his head and he has this giant vein sticking out of his forehead and then it does a reverse shot to the side that Borat is sitting on and he has another fucking giant vein mm-hmm. on the other side of his forehead and I'm not trying to make fun of that or you know act like that's a joke in and of itself but I was just like wow mm. this uh this is this is a really interesting interesting moment here this very red very veiny man like a very patient Alex Jones, I suppose. <laughs> uh, so after this is when we get into the part he buys. Where he, buys. The car, he tries. Yeah. He tries to. He tries to buy a car by saying that he is looking for a, a, a pussy magnet. I think is the phrase that he uses. Well, he says he he wants a car that has a pussy magnet in it um, to attract yes, women, yes. and the guy is trying to explain to him that that's not a real thing and that it's like. It's like a turn of phrase used for a, you know an expensive flashy car or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. And the it's car, very. It's yeah. The car he wants to buy is a Hummer, um, which again, very of its time, um, and yeah. So he's trying to buy this Hummer and doing the whole pussy magnet thing, and that's basically the crux of the joke. And then he asks how much it is, and he can't afford it, and he's like, "I can give you six hundred dollars, basically." And so he gets this like shitty rundown ice cream truck, basically. <laughs> this is this is funny. This is actually yes, funny. It is. Like uh where where he's like, Well, I've got something that could it's got some miles on it, but I guess it could fit your budget. And then like the next shot is him like tooling down the interstate in yeah. this fucking shitty, like reject Mr. Freeze Batman and Robin ice yeah. cream truck, which is really fantastic. Yeah. It's like falling apart. Um Yeah. So from here, I believe they go to Washington, D.C.? Yes, yes. Uh, The first thing they do in Washington, D.C. is go to a gay pride parade. Yes. Which I will say, I will say, until the end of it, is actually fairly okay, you know? Yeah, it's just him him kind of hanging out, and he's, like, shaking hands and giving dudes kisses on the cheek, and it's all very normal. It's very, it's, like, very silly, um, he, like, they do, like, a Metal Gear Solid, like, crotch grab exchange at one point, mm. which, which, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, with, like, a Leatherman, right? Like... Yeah, 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 you know, I'm, you know. Sure. Maybe I'm whatever. biased, but, you know. <laughs> sure. Uh, so, but then after this, they go to his hotel room, and he's like, oh, wah wah wee wah, I shower with a man, ha ha ha. Well... I I think the thing with that is, like, it cuts to him, like, interviewing a Republican um, politician, and he's, like, talking about how he he went to this parade and met met people, and he invited a couple of them back to his room, and they drank, and then one of them washed him in the shower, and they wrestled, 
And that's when the guy is like, oh, you went to the gay pride parade and has to explain yeah. to him. And then as it re- as it sort of dawns on Borat what the gay pride parade is and the fact that he had a rubber dildo shaped like a fist uh, used on him, um, he's sort of like distraught, basically. He's very... You see his face turn to horrified and, you know, I'm not going to defend that, like... It's 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 fairly stupid. It really yeah. kind of turns around. Um, Wikipedia says that the first politician he talks to is Alan Keyes, and he's like, "It sounds like you met the the homosexuals." And it's like, "All right, yeah. dude. All right." Uh, so then you know, it cuts to another politician, right? And he's like, "Which is Bob Barr?" Which yeah. is Bob Barr, and he's like, "In my country, we eat cheese at the start, and so Bob Barr eats this piece of cheese, and Boris like, my wife made this cheese from her breast milk, basically, and that's the joke of of this that, segment. That joke is really stupid, but yeah. the dude's the dude's face when yeah. he says that is so goddamn good. Like he's horrified. That's the thing. That's the thing about this fucking movie is that all the jokes are fucking like dumb as shit, but it's hard not to laugh at like the reaction of some of these people. Like, right? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna knock Sacha Baron Cohen for taking fucking Republican politicians to task. Like, 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 whatever. Like, good on you, you know. But like, like, oh, this cheese is made of fucking titty milk. That's like a, that's like, that's really just like a 13 year old joke. But the dude's fucking face where he like goes from chewing it to just like completely morose is, it, it, it's, it's not something I can't laugh at, you know? Right. Like, like it, it has a real, like legitimate comedy to it. Yeah, it does. I will also say that despite my misgivings about the turnaround on the gay pride parade, the rubber fist is an MVP of this movie. I there, think it's fucking hilarious. There is some. Fu- there, there's a great moment at the end with it, which is just like it's so. Yeah. It's such a bad joke, but it, like it, it like it, as tasteless as it is, it got me. Um, I think it got mm-hmm. you as well. Like we both just kind of because it's so out of nowhere. Yeah. It um, is. It is. It is. Yeah, we'll so get, we'll after um, yeah, after the stuff with Bob Barr, I don't really remember what comes after that i know that he heads towards the rodeo and on I the way the there rodeo he, is next, uh, i think the rodeo is next but before that he has the uh, tv interview which is like in the middle of nowhere you know mm-hmm. do you remember this part uh he yes, goes to the television yes, station he, and yes. he, he gets he gets it he gets sat down with someone who looks like Cody Rhodes and uh, the dude, the dude like tries to interview him and he's like very fidgety. Uh, he's he, very like, stands up Borat, when it's his turn yeah, to talk. Borat, like stands up, like they cut to him standing up, which is actually a very funny shot where they have the camera like tilted all the way up and he's like seven feet tall. Yeah. And he's um, like, um, can I have a microphone? And the guy's like, Oh, you see this thing on your lapel. That's the microphone. So yeah. Borat like picks up the lapel, like, drags the lapel to his face and starts just like screaming into it and then they they like rush to end the interview and then like as they go to the weather borat like storms in on the weather report and he's like trying to shake the dude's hand he's like what is your name and the dude is like i've tried to do the weather and he's dying um (laughs) this segment this segment like doesn't really have much of a joke to it on its face but again again the the this this dude who's doing the weather is in such good spirits about the whole thing like Mm -hmm. he's having the fucking time of his life and it's it's really 
it's really nice, you know? He is maybe, like, one of the very few people, like, one of the very few unsuspecting people that doesn't come out of it looking like a giant fucking asshole, basically. Yeah. He's, he's just like he's just like okay this thing is happening i'm just gonna let this happen yeah and have fun with it you he, know he rolls with it as best he can um yeah but then we get yeah. to probably uh the person who comes out of it looking the worst which is the worst yeah the rodeo dude um yeah so borat makes it to the rodeo and the first thing we get is we see him in like this American flag t-shirt and like a cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. And he talks to this man. Mm. This dude. This good old and boy. This good old boy. And I don't really remember a lot of this conversation except for the end of it, to be completely honest. So it's, I feel it's like mostly like uh, the, the, the this dude at the rodeo is like basically giving Borat advice that he should go out there and say that you know Kazakhstan supports the U.S. and the occupation of Iraq and he's basically he basically like to paraphrase him is like saying go out there and prove you're not a Muslim um, and yeah. like he's very upfront with how much he dislikes. Uh, Muslims, um, and then it, and then as Borat like is about to wrap up, he goes to do the thing where you know he kisses on the cheek, and the dude is like, "You don't do that here, uh, over here. That's for that's the thing you know gay people do." And Borat makes this crack about how in Kazakhstan um, they uh, basically they hang they, they, ha- they, they hang, hang they hang gay people, yeah. which. Um, I know it's not Kazakhstan, but as a, as Kazakhstan being, you know, a former Soviet state and what's going on in Chechnya right now, that has aged possibly the worst of anything in the whole thing. And basically mm-hmm. the dude is like, oh, we're trying to get that done here too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It fucking sucks. It's yeah, real bad. It's, and it's like, real bad. Yeah. And, and you know, it is this dude, like it is him, like, yes. like showing his whole ass here and, I don't know. It just it just fucking sucks. You know, yeah. it feels bad. <laughs> yeah. So so he goes out. Move. No, because he, go, yeah. he goes out in front of the rodeo crowd to sing yeah, the yeah. national anthem, yeah. and he starts. You know, he's like, "My name is Borat. I'm from Kazakhstan. We support the U.S. Uh, occupation. We hope that the U.S. Uh, defeats the terrorists." And as he keeps yeah. going, it like gets. More weirder, and weirder. more, like, he, he's eventually like, we hope that the U.S. drinks the blood of its enemies and that... And it, people still cheer for that. He says, what he says exactly is that I hope George W. Bush yeah. can, like, drink the blood of the terrorists. And people cheer for that. Yeah. It's not until it's not until he says that I hope America leaves the desert so barren that, like, not even a lizard can live there that people finally start to, like, peter out a bit. Yeah, you know? and then... Then he is like in a, like in a show of solidarity. Essentially, he's like, "I will now sing the Kazakh national anthem to the tune of the United States <laughs> national anthem," and so uh-huh. he's like singing uh, the Star Spangled Ban- Banner. But like the lyrics are like, "Kazakhstan is the greatest nation in the world," or whatever. Uh, we have like 
the, we are superior the, potassium. Yeah, yeah, everyone else. No, no, has no, 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 no. Yeah, it's like he says. He says uh, we export the most potassium. Everyone else has inferior potassium. Yes, that's. And the, I remember that because I said that inferior potassium would be a good name for this podcast. Yeah. Um, so that's what he. That's and that's when the crowd like really turns on him. Turns on him. Uh, yeah, and he's yeah. he's booed basically out of the building. Uh, okay, uh, so what's next? Um, next is when he goes to the... This part This part is, is really just bad. Um, it, it's not... I don't think it's as outright heinous as some of the other stuff, but it's bad, and it's just... There's no comedy to it. He goes to this yard sale. And- yeah, he basically thinks she's, like, broken into the house and stolen everything and is now selling it. And he thinks, like the Barbie dolls that she's selling are, like, the occupants of the house that she's put a curse on, essentially. Yeah. Um, it's real, it's real stupid. Like, but this there's, is, yeah. There's no... There's no real joke to this scene. Um, there's... It's, it's, very, it's fairly tasteless, but I guess the, uh... In terms of the plot of mm-hmm. Borat... The important part is that he finds a Baywatch uh, magazine for right. sale, and uh, that that kind of spurs him on his uh, on his quest, I suppose. Right, he kind of takes it as like a sign from God, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where do we go from here? Is I think that um, the the next thing we have here. Uh, at least according to Wikipedia, is where he goes to Georgia, and he meets the uh, he meets the like gang or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, and he goes into like a hotel with his pants pulled like halfway down, and he's like trying to use the slang to get a room. Yeah, uses some slang, drops a few slurs. You know, yeah. no big deal. Uh, just just par for the course for Borat. And uh, they are they are kicked out for for some reason that he that he cites later, and uh, then they go to the bed and breakfast. Ooh, yes, yeah. So how do we how do we want to how do we want to angle ourselves at this, this one? This one is. Uh... So they go to this bed and breakfast, um, and it's run by, Uh like, a nice old couple, and, you know, they're showing them around the house. And the lady basically is like, oh, you know, I painted all the paintings in the house, and she's showing Borat one, and she, um, is, and she basically says it's a, um, I forget what, um, denomination... But it's essentially, it's essentially like a Jewish religious painting that she's made. Mm-hmm. Um, and He's Borat, like, why do you have painting of Jews? Right, and she basically says, because we're Jewish. And so Borat Im- uh, immediately, like, is on the defensive. Um, and it's... It's... Uh, it's, it's just bad. This yeah. whole sequence is bad, like... They immediately start freaking out. It shows all these like paintings that this woman assumedly like made herself and like mm-hmm. put like this this effort into. They they stay in the bed and breakfast. They um 
they have this whole thing where they bring them a sandwich and they think it's like poisoned or something yes. and they like eat it yeah. like barely and then he like wakes up at three in the morning and they try to escape and there's like cockroaches or something yeah and like they're they're like oh the the jews have shapeshifted it's like how much money do you want and then they start like throwing money at these cockroaches yeah. there's there's just there is no version of this sequence that you could possibly construe as comedy that is not just like cruelly laughing at like Jewish stereotypes, I would say. Yeah. It's not even, it's, this is not like, like if you wanted to defend the bit at the beginning with the running of the Jews, you could say like, oh, it's, it's Sacha Baron Cohen poking fun at the, the stereotypes of Jewish people as these like, you know, demons, like that kind of thing. Like, if you really wanted to go up to bat to that one, which I would say is ill-advised, you conceivably could. Mm-hmm. This this sequence is literally just them straight up pointing at these people and saying, "Wow, you should laugh at these people because they're they're Jewish." You know, right. like, "Oh, here's this stereotype that Jewish people are like money grubbing like goblins or yes. like shapeshifters, yeah. like they're sneaky." It doesn't add anything to the conversation, and there's no intent behind the joke. Aside from, like, just, like, being able to recognize these stereotypes and thinking these stereotypes are funny. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe the intent is that you're supposed to laugh at Borat because obviously he's so stupid, but it doesn't come across like that at all. There is no no sense of that whatsoever. And I think when you take this movie into its own context, there's just no, there's just no way that you could kind of come up with a reason to laugh at the scene aside from the intent that you are laughing at Borat at the movie, just pointing the finger at these, like this very nice Jewish, Jewish couple and being like, wow, you know, these fucking stereotypes. Well, here we are fucking talking about them. Hope you, hope you think it's funny, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, this is, this is really harrowing. It's, it's fairly bad. I think that the next thing that we get here is that they escape the house at like three in the morning and they go to buy a handgun That's to right. protect themselves from the Jews. Yeah. And like he, when he goes to this gun store, the first thing he says is, what would you rec Like so, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but it's like something like, what would you recommend to kill a Jew, basically? And, like, he, he uses the phrase, a Jew, in this. Yeah. And yeah. the dude, like, barely misses a beat and just goes, well, I would recommend a forty-five or a 9mm. And he pulls it's out this so, gun. It's so gruesome. Yeah, and Borat is like, oh, I'm like Dirty Harold. And he's like... <laughs> he's like holding this uh, this real unloaded gun and he's like holding it out like pretending to shoot and he like says something like take that Jews or something and it just cuts to the like dude in the store and he's just like very nonplussed by it all and again it's it's just it's bad like there's it's nothing bad. else you can say I will, in the interest of pure honesty at the on this podcast, I will say I laughed when I saw that he gave him this, like, Duke Nukem, like, yeah. gold-plated, like, yeah. uh, semi-automatic. And I also laughed, which is my big shame, when he said Dirty Harold, because that... <laughs> 
I don't know. That just got to me for some reason. I, but I think the rest, that's the like rest the of this joke is barely. Scene is the dirty Harry? Yeah, it, it's the only joke in yeah. that scene. It's the only joke in that scene because he continues to just play off this anti-Semitism for no payoff whatsoever. Like there's no, there's no intent behind it. There's just nothing but presenting this on its face and just being really disgusting about it you know right. yeah um, uh it, so it's, then it's it's yeah yeah go ahead so after that he he's basically not able to buy the gun because he's not american he's not a citizen uh so he decides that he needs an animal and he's like at this whatever place that sells animals and it's like showing yeah. a tortoise and he's like asking if the tortoise is a dog um, I will say that bit has also aged fairly well yeah. in the year 2019 is him looking at the tortoise and saying what kind of dog is this <laughs> yeah and then <laughs> that he's one lo- that one that one really aged well for the yeah. for the twitter age I would say and he gets told it's not a dog and he's like is it a cat in a hat and the guy's like no it's a tortoise in a shell um, and so long story short, you then like get this cut to the, it's like, it's the ice cream truck and it's driving along and it starts where like Borat is driving. And as it like pans to the back of the truck, you just see this like black bear sticking out of the back of the truck howling. And uh-huh. it's, yeah. So he basically buys a bear. Um, the big, uh, the big payoff for this, I think, is that they're in the ice cream truck and they're like attracting kids. Yeah. And there's like this scene where these kids are like running towards the ice cream truck and the bear like growls at them. Yeah. There's a scene. There's a scene that becomes important later where he's cleaning up bear shit with a piece of newspaper, oh, and yeah. he takes he he rips out a piece of paper that has the um, the phone numbers for like sex workers on it, mm-hmm. like escorts, and uh, he puts that in his wallet. But um, I guess the big payoff is like the bear growling at children. Not that funny, you know. It's a very like uh, I don't know. It's like it's like Invader Zim on yeah. the part of that kind of humor, you know, where it's like, oh, isn't it fucked up that these kids are running for the ice cream truck? And uh, you know, no shade on Invader Zim. Uh, probably a better cultural artifact than Borat, <laughs> I would I would dare to guess. But um, it, it, it's that same kind of it's that same kind of humor where it's like edgy, but it's not like you know talking mm-hmm. about shooting j- fucking Jewish people or whatever, right. like Christ Almighty. Yeah. Uh, after this, though, I think we move into the bit with the the etiquette dinner. Yes, and and this part kind of. It's cutting between him with this, like, etiquette coach and him at, like, a high society, like, fancy dinner party, basically. Right? Like... Yes. Yeah. Um, And so the idea is that he's learning to interact like a civilized person, basically. Yeah, he's trying to Americanize himself, essentially. So, I... This sequence really ping-pongs back and forth for me, because on the whole, I don't think there's a lot of legitimate comedy here, but on the other hand, the gremlin that lives inside of me loves seeing, like, high-class street white people being, mm-hmm. like, yeah. made uncomfortable. And so and so, I'm, I'm really conflicted in this, because there are some moments that are really good, but then there are also moments that are just, like... Like, fucking come on, you know? 
Like, uh, I would say, I would say that, um, probably the best part of this is where he tries to go to the bathroom and, like, right. brings his turds out to this woman in, like, a Ziploc, like, like garbage bag. Yeah. And even that is, like, really pushing it in terms of, like, being considered a joke, I would say. Yeah. And, and like, the, the thing I think that makes that specific part work is that after he excuses himself to go to the bathroom, basically, there's, like, a cut to the, like, rich white people that are left behind, and they're all, like, sort of sitting around being like, I think he's a lovely man, but the cultural differences are so vast, <laughs> and it's going to take him so long to become accustomed to our way of life. And then he just walks in with the bag of shit, and he's like, where do I put this? <laughs> the contrast is really good there. The contrast is great. Uh, unfortunately, it's undercut by by making jokes about this man being mentally disabled for yeah. really no reason whatsoever. Yeah, like there's 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 not any comedy in that. Like someone says he's retired, and Borat yes. is like, oh, you mean like R word? And they're like, no. Uh, retired and it's this really flaccid like back and forth right. that just has no comedy to it whatsoever yeah. uh there's also a bit where he shows the etiquette coach pictures of him and his his son yes which is which is who is played by who is played by a legitimate porn star from what i know of this movie but um okay. the first one the first one is like a normal ass like picture of him and his son uh, the second one, though, is, like, his son completely nude, like, lifting him up. And then the third one is, like, Borat posing with, like, the dude's dick, like, doing, like, a thumbs up. So, yeah, he shows her he shows her these nude photos and, like, I don't know. I don't think it's that funny. Like, there's, there's a bit of that shock value in there, but he's like, this is my son. Right. It's like, okay, dude, like... Like, whatever. Like, there there are some points in this where I recognize that they're trying to tell some weird joke, but it, it just... I'm just so soullessly beaten down by Borat <laughs> that I can't even, like, bring myself to even, like, chuckle at it, right. you know? Right, yeah, I get you. The joke is, is, is entirely just, look at this person's reaction, you know? Like, that's it, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, there's probably the shock value for the teenagers that are watching it of like, that's a dick or whatever, you know, Whoa, that's a, that's a, that's his son's dick. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's not a whole lot to that. Um, until the part where it like, he asks the etiquette coach, um, is it permitted to bring a guest, basically? Um, yeah. yeah. And then it cuts to the dinner, back to the dinner, where there's a knock on the door, and he opens the door, and he is essentially uh, called... Like, it showed earlier in the dinner scene, him asking if the village had a phone. So then... Yeah. That brings us back to this part where there's a knock on the door and he goes and he opens the door and one of the sex workers is there, basically. Um, yeah. Which causes... Her name is... Uh, it's Lunel, so right? Lunel, right. yeah. I, I love this woman. I think she's great in this movie. Um, she is. This this is only funny because of how fucking immediately these people like like immediately do a one eighty on yes, him. You know, immediately as soon as she as soon as she walks in the door, someone's like, "Well, uh, that's uh, that's all the time I have for tonight. Uh, I gotta yeah, I gotta get going." You know, and 
part of that part of that is like rooted in like the the appearance of this person like coming in which i don't think is amazing like no you know like like oh it's it's this person and their real human body and like the way they dress coming into this place but at the same time the comedy i derive from the scene is not so much from that as it is like these people immediately being like oh god like like this is this is a situation I don't want to be in. Yeah, it, you know? it's like it is the straw that so, breaks the camel's back. It is the hard like no for them. Like they're willing yeah. to put up with so much, and but like this is the <laughs> they're thing. willing to put up with this dude bringing a bag of shit right. out of the bathroom into their living room, but they are not willing to put up with him bringing this woman who is dressed in this. I should mention fucking incredible like sexy cowboy outfit like her outfit in this rules sure if i was more confident i would fucking wear this out on the town you know like tied off crop top plaid shirt cowboy hat like the whole the, jorts, the whole fucking deal like, yeah <laughs> she's so good she's so good um so they like call the police on borat you know uh fuck that shit yeah he's not not a yeah yeah he's like why are you calling the police on me and he's like asking if they can stay for dessert and they're suddenly like (laughs) it cuts from them from like the guy being like you know what i have to leave borat i'm so sorry to like immediately like the host lady just screaming at them and then like them running and it's got like that um you know, that classic sort of documentary found footage, like, camera running shot. Um, yeah. As they the Borat leave. Witch, if you will. Yeah. Um, the Borat Witch Project. Yeah, and then it cuts to them, like, driving in with Lunel uh, and Azamat, in, and the bear, I think, is still there as well, uh, in the thing, and basically Borat and Lunel decide they're going to go hit the town, basically. Um yeah, yeah, and I actually really like this scene where yeah. they're out, like, on the town. They're at this, like, a square dancing, like, kind of a uh, country western sort of place. It's just mm-hmm. a really, like, it's a surprisingly genuine set of scenes in this movie, which is otherwise very flippant. And I think that's because it wants to build emotional stakes for a payoff later, which is a very stupid payoff by the very end of it. But um, just the scenes of them fucking around and, like, being dorks at this like square dancing parlor is really good because it 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 it, it brings it brings the realm of comedy of them being like these two weirdos in the world to the forefront without Mm -hmm. it also like denigrating like jewish people or denigrating like gay people or denigrating like literally anyone else it just is what it is and I think it works fairly well in that regard. Right. It's not. Um, it's not a scene that really has to punch down to be effective, which is sort of like, you know, nice to see in a movie like this. Yeah. I'll. I'll. I'll you know. Although I guess you could make the argument that the previous scene was punching up, but like so much of this movie is, you know, punching down. If you want to use that term. This movie is one of those things where. It's very much like that South Park kind of feeling where it's like, oh, right. we make fun of everyone equally, yeah, exactly. you know? But you can't you can't do that. You know, there's there's no point to it. Like punching down it's just it's just pointless and cruel. And there's yeah. there's there's no real reason for it, but um I I really like this scene. I love the image of Sacha Baron Cohen, or is it Sacha or Sasha? I I feel like uh, I think it's Sasha, but it is uh, Sasha, isn't it? I yeah, think I, so. I, 
I fucked up on that one then. Um, the image of Sasha Baron Cohen, like, falling off of this mechanical bull with his, like, fucking long-ass Gumby legs going up right. in the air <laughs> is really good physical comedy. But the, uh, but the big, the big payoff to this scene is that there, there, the, the movie presents this, like, genuine emotional connection between Borat and Lunell, but Borat mm-hmm. is like, sorry, I gotta go fuck Pamela Anderson. Can't, yeah. can't stay here. Yeah, she, like, invites him in, and he's like, I'm sorry, but I'm in love with someone else, basically. Yeah. Then, uh, then after that, we get the movement from him to Texas, where mm-hmm. in order to buy a gift to impress Pamela Anderson, he goes to a antique store. Yeah, and like the key to this scene is the antique store is like covered in Confederate flags and has tons of yes. Confederate med- memorabilia. Like most of it is Confederate, essentially. Um, this this is one of the moments in this movie that really works for me in terms of like punching up you know because he does like the whole nathan for you thing where he breaks all this shit in the antique store by like doing Mm -hmm. a three stooges routine but it's great because this dude's a fucking confederate like quote-unquote confederate uh, heritage like oh it's our history or whatever like fuck off like yeah you should have broken more. Like, this dude should have been fucking coming here with a goddamn baseball bat and going ham on your shitty bumper right. stickers or whatever the hell. Like, I don't feel I don't feel bad about laughing at this part because it's one of the few parts in this movie that they actually get the clarity of satire in this film where they are, like, exposing the, the racism and hypocrisy of the American psyche right. and right. not being like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we made Jewish people these these trolls, you know? Like right. this is this is the part uh where this movie works. Like this in the rodeo scene, I would say, mm-hmm. are where this movie like does what it is supposed to do. Yeah. So the moment itself is not inherently that funny. Like he's just no, tripping right. over himself and like breaking these antiques. But it does represent like like kind of the idea behind Borat <laughs> as a film. And I can't believe I'm like doing legitimate media criticism on this movie i think if we have more episodes of this uh it will not be as serious as this first episode but um this is this is a point where this movie like like gets its point home for me right and i i think the thing about this scene that works most for me is that it both reminds me of like you know classic hidden camera prank shows um yeah it's very jackass yeah you know exactly where it's going you know exactly what's going to happen, but they hold it off just long enough that they, like, effectively build the, you know, like, they build up to it in such a way that it works, and then the payoff after he's destroyed everything, where he is, like, <laughs> offering to pay them with his, like, like Ziploc bags of his, like, pubic shavings, um, <laughs> and the like is just it it just it it works in a way that like i i i don't feel like it should work but it does and um, it does it yeah. does it it really does um i will say i didn't laugh at the thing about him trying to pay with his pubic hair until just now uh but it right. is it is fairly funny like the way they set it up is that he just talks about it being like hair 
And then the reveal later yes. is that it was pubic hair, which I think yeah. is actually pretty good. Like that's yeah. that's like a fucking setup punchline, like traditional joke. Yeah. So because I think the thing is that like he offers to pay with hair because he only has like like the dude is like you broke like five hundred dollars worth of stuff and he has like a hundred and fifty, so he offers to like pay the rest with hair, and then he goes and gets Azamat and like Azamat and he are talking in like what is supposed to be Kazakh. I have I have no idea. I should say. Uh, how much of if any of this is Kazakh? Um, I'm gonna pull that up on the IMDb because I was thinking that when we were watching this too, I was really curious about how much of this was a legitimate language. The one thing I know is that like when Borat says hello, he says Yakshimash, which is Polish. Mm. Um, so I uh, don't, I don't know. Um, according to IMDb, it's Armenian. Armenian, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, but, like, the joke so, here is that, like, as Azamat and he are arguing with each other, like, Azamat's subtitles in Kazakh or Armenian, I guess, uh, says, did you offer them pubic hair, basically? Yeah. Uh, and Borat is like, yes, I did, or whatever. So, uh, the, the producer, uh, I, I already forgot his name, Azamat is speaking Armenian, whereas uh, Sasha Baird Cohen is actually speaking Hebrew. So, Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. There, I think they're speaking two different languages there. Okay. Um. So the next thing we get here is the, at least in terms of what Wikipedia goes through, is the scene where Borat goes to the hotel, takes a bath, and then sees Azamat fucking jerking his dick over the Baywatch magazine. This uh, is one of the like wildest five minutes in this movie. <laughs> like this so, is. Like so, I, 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 I cannot imagine, the, like the, uh, I, I want to say the balls it takes, but like that's a bad joke given the context of the scene. But like, just what happens in this like five minutes, like having the guts to do this is just. <laughs> it's, it's very. It's, it's very funny, but like. This is, like, so much of this movie where half of this, I think, is fairly dumb. And like, yeah. half of this, I think, is actually Definitely. funny. Yeah. So the first half of this where they're fighting and that Borat reveals that Pamela Anderson is why they're moving to California, I think is not great. Because the whole joke of the first half of this sequence is that they are wrestling and they end up in a bunch of, like, oh, haha, very funny, like, gay yes. sex positions. Like, oh, it looks like Borat is is fucking Azamat, or oh, like, Azamat's sitting on Borat's face. Yeah, it looks like, like they're 69ing like, or whatever. Yeah, it's... like, whatever. Like, that's such, that's such, yeah. like, juvenile humor, and it, it and, like, I didn't, I, that, that does not track for me at all. No. The funny part of this scene is when it escalates and they run out of their room, down the hallway, into an elevator with other people while they are like full ass nude and these other people are reacting to them being in this elevator and being like oh my god like and like trying to like rush out of this elevator there's yeah. this really there's this really great shot of this dude who is just like trying his best to ignore them and you can tell he's like god i wish i wish i was dead you know yeah, like it's and and like the the key to that shot is that like so if you imagine the the elevator, right, where now it's down to, like, Borat, Azamat, this mystery dude, and the cameraman. 
So mm-hmm. like Borat and Azamat are on one side, like <laughs> on, on one wall pressed against the wall. So Azamat is like in the corner, Borat's in the middle. Uh, and the other dude who we don't know is like in the other corner. And he's being blocked from exiting the elevator by the cameraman who is standing directly in front of him. So the cameraman mm-hmm. just like pans the camera around and grabs this guy's face for like a couple of frames and then just like back to back to Borat and Azamat as this poor dude is like trapped in this elevator with two naked dudes. Um, <laughs> and the key to this is also that like uh, Borat is holding the rubber dildo that's shaped like a fist yes, the whole time. Yes, yes, I forgot about that. Oh my god. And it's like it's it's not like a um, you know like it's not one of these dildos that is like you know a solid piece I guess. It, it's like floppy you know. Yeah, it's, one it's, of those. It, it's like so, Niall, uh, let me let me educate you very quickly. The thing about sure. dildos is that they come in various areas of firmness. Right. Where if you buy something that's like medical grade silicone mm. from a retailer such as like Bad Dragon, perhaps, sure. you will be able to choose between soft, medium, and firm silicone. Mm-hmm. The problem with the uh, rubber fist and board is that I have to assume it was rubber. And is therefore both of a lower quality and much lower firmness. Um, mm. I also have to assume that the fact of it being a giant fist means that it needs to be at a much softer consistency to accurately kind sure. of like, like, right. like, uh, shall we say serve its purpose. But the comedy here, as you said, is that this fist is just like flopping around as they like pan the camera across yeah. this elevator. And the way um, Borat is holding it, like, he's not holding it down at his side. He's, like, holding it in his hand up to his, like, chest. So mm-hmm. it's just, like, it's, like, uh, it's 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 basically erect and just, like, flopping, like, just under his chin. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just... And <laughs> it's so eventually dumb. the elevator, like, gets to whatever floor. And as the map runs out and Borat runs after him screaming and they're still fighting... And- this um, is where this is where this shit really takes yes, off. I would say this is this is where it gets just wild. So it cuts to like the conference room uh, or whatever of this hotel that they're in, and mm-hmm. it's like the Nationals like mortgage broker convention two thousand six. Some some stupid bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. And somebody's giving a speech, and then. You just, like, hear a door open, and you see, and, like, they've obviously got somebody, like, in there, like, secretly filming or whatever, and you see Azamat naked run in, screaming in Armenian, and Borat is running after him, also screaming, waving this, like, floppy fist dildo around, and basically tackles Azamat, like, right, like, in the middle of these, like... Um, of all the like seating, you know, uh, the, these, these fucking like, normies, yeah. yeah, yeah, and people are just shocked, and they're trying to like pull them apart, and it's their security, and it shows them like running just around the hotel in the nude, and it's it's wild. It's, it's it, this is like I would say that in terms of like the jackassness of this film, yes, I was about this to say is the that. pinnacle. <laughs> Like this is the this is the scene that I remember from this movie as being like kind of the peak of like comedy in this. This is like uh 
like I said, the first half of this joke does nothing for me. Like, I don't care about men pretending to be in sex positions. I look at men in actual sex positions almost every fucking day of my life. Like, it, sure. it's not funny. It's not funny. Okay. This, however, of them, like, breaking in, like, writhing over each other as they, like, run onto the stage in, like, this middle manager conference. <laughs> yeah. It really tracks. It's really fucking funny. Yeah. Uh I think I think I think this is like one of the most legitimately hilarious parts of this whole movie. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, th- I think for, I think for me this might be the the actual funniest like sequence in the movie. Um, I think I think you're probably right. I, yeah. I I don't think there's there's much to debate that. Yeah. For, uh, from the point they get out of the hotel room until the end of the sequence, specifically, I think because like you said, like before that, it's just kind of you know the low-hanging fruit like obvious jokes but um yeah i and i th- I think they do like i really love the 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 classic like comedy bit where two characters who are fighting have to get into an elevator and be civil for a second and then as soon yeah. as they're out of the yeah. elevator they're they're back to going wild so yeah i yeah. think that's that's definitely one of the best parts of the movie it works. It has a very traditional, like, like uh, comedy structure to it, yes, and I think, um, I think this movie is at its best when it's combining like traditional, like, jackass sort of like comedy like this with this sort of, um, well, I guess it would be reversed when it's combining traditional comedy structure with the kind of jackass comedy, you know, right. like, like that's that's kind of when this movie's at its best. But um, the whole kind of result is, of this is that Azamat leaves. He takes the money. He takes the bear. He uh, he dumps Borat. Borat runs out of gas in his car, and he hitchhikes with some drunk frat bros towards California. Yeah, and this part has, uh, you know, people like to say that, um, or people like to act like certain, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, unsavory uh, elements of... Um, sort of white male, young, like under thirty culture, um, are a new thing that has come out, like as a result of, you know, certain parts of the internet or whatever. But this really shows that, like, shit ain't nothing new. Um, this is unreal. All of these, all of these dudes are fucking psychopaths. Yeah, I I forget that people like this exist because. This is so far up the up the chart that these these frat bros come across as like actual stereotypes. Like if you were writing like a teen movie and you were like, "Oh, what's the most odious like awful sort of frat bro characters we could write?" It would be these fucking people in this uh in this truck, you know. Right. They uh they're drunk off their ass the whole time. They 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 actually don't shit talk Borat a whole lot, which I guess is something in their favor, at least not that we see on camera. Well, but they like, talk about there's the one guy who like does keep making fun of the fact that like he can't understand what Borat is saying. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, like yeah, the yeah, main yeah. dude. Let um, me be clear. I don't want to give these people any credit. Sure. I'm just saying that the movie does not show a lot of that at the very least. Right. Like yeah, it, it leaves a lot of that out. Yeah, there, there's a lot of them being like, "Welcome to America," to him, you know, like we're gonna make you an American, you know, is yeah. sort of the yeah. is, is sort of the the way these frat boys are acting. 
there there of... are a cup there are a couple places where they talk about they said something really like gross and xenophobic, but this movie all kind of blends together in that regard, so I can't yeah. remember what it was. Um, so basically during this scene, um he tells them about Pamela Anderson, why he's going to California. And he basically says he's going to take Pamela Anderson's virginity. Um at which point, like, he produces a DVD of Pamela Anderson that he's somehow gotten. I don't remember if they show him buying it. Um, but it's I have a, no idea. It's essentially, it's it's the Pamela Anderson Tommy Lee sex tape. Um, and they put it on, and Borat is distraught because he is not going to get to take Pamela Anderson's virginity. Um, and he, like, breaks down... And he basically has to leave. He, he like, forces himself off uh, to be alone with his thoughts. Um, and they basically... Uh, there's, like, this thing where as he's leaving them behind, they're, like, giving him the worst, most gross, <laughs> uh, misogynistic pep talk of all time. Basically saying women are worthless, never let a woman... Uh, influence you in any way or you know all, all the grossest yeah. shit yeah. um that you could possibly say um and this scene is also like one of the most infamous scenes i don't remember if or i don't know if you remember this but those dudes actually sued uh after the movie came out and got no money at all which that's hilarious fucking awesome. yeah i knew um, i knew someone had sued but i didn't know who i assume that it's like Every single person yeah. in this film like ran through the door to try to sue so quickly that like the legal system just turned inside out on itself and awarded none of them any money yeah. whatsoever. If, if I remember correctly, there was several lawsuits and almost nobody got money. I don't want to say for yeah. sure that nobody did, but I think most of them uh, were thrown out of court. So anyway... Yeah. Maybe we can cover that in a future a yeah, future sure. Borat Club. Uh, I will say, I will say, the funniest part about this is that Wikipedia does not refer to the Pam and Tommy thing as a sex tape, but actually a sex disc, which Oof. I think is incredibly funny. There's, um, some, there's something very like gross about the phrase "sex disc" to me. Like, sex disc. It's just yeah. like a grimy term. Well, it's like kombucha, you know, where they have mm. the like fungal disc at the bottom. This is like this is like the sex disc I have to ingest to become horny. Right. Uh, so the big thing here is that he does leave the he does leave, and then uh, in his distraughtness, he burns the tape, he burns the magazine, and I think he also burns his ticket back to Kazakhstan. Yeah, the, the, um, he doesn't do that on purpose, though. Yes, it's, it's I like think that's in the ma- it's in the magazine, and then it like he realizes that it's in the magazine, and he tries to save it, but it's already burning, basically. Yeah. Uh, then uh, there's not really much. There's not really any joke to this scene. Like it, it, it is just trying to paint Borat as this tragic figure. So once he's at his lowest point, he can be raised up by attending, as Wikipedia says. A United Pentecostal camp meeting in Arizona, at right. which a U.S. representative, Chip Pickering, and a Supreme Court Justice, James W. Smith Jr., are present and speaking. Right. So the uh, thing here is that, like, what he, he basically sets these things on fire and falls and, like, cries himself to sleep, essentially. And he does this on, like, the steps of this Pentecostal church, basically, right? 
So it like cuts yeah. to the next morning where he's waking up as people are entering this. It's not a mega church, but it's a large church. Um, yeah, I would say it's fairly par for the course in terms of like affluent white suburbia Christian churches, to be right. honest, it's at least in my experience. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very much what um, I as a non-American think of as a very southern affluent white christian church in the united states yeah, yeah. uh it's fairly accurate mega churches are like fucking stadiums you know this right. is just like a very large room yeah uh this scene is interesting because they do not do as much poking and prodding in this scene as i would expect from something which is so willing to stretch mm. out and and like make fun of literally anyone like the most the most like comedy he tries to squeeze out of this is him like accepting Jesus and him being like does Jesus love my mentally disabled sister and he's like oh Jesus loves everyone he's like does Jesus love my asshole neighbor He's like, yeah, Jesus loves everyone. And he's like, that's not true. Nobody loves my neighbor. And like everyone laughs. Right. And it feels like it feels like surprisingly that everyone is kind of not in on the joke, but like almost like playing along more than you would expect for this. And I, I guess for like a movie which has been so enthusiastic about like just putting everyone in the shithole. They don't really do a lot with this scene. Like, like I, I guess yeah. they also just kind of let it speak for itself because people in this do say a lot of extremely stupid shit. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, like people are running around and celebrating and, you know, it's that very, it's that specific type of American Christianity where it's very, loud and celebratory and active and you know like people are running and screaming and yelling and it's all sort of very free form and there's yeah. people speaking in yeah. tongues and like it he's so disheveled in this scene and like it shows him standing with like at the back and there's like this uh member of the congregation that's standing with him holding his hand throughout it and speaking in tongues and this guy brings him up and yeah it it, it very much feels like like as he is you know as they're doing the bit where he's sort of accepting christianity or whatever it feels like the people there are sort of like i, I don't want to say humoring him but that's kind of what they're doing like they're like they're kind it's kind of like just like push this narrative of yes jesus loves everyone and laugh at laugh along with him when he tries to tell a joke and you know just yeah. and like you get these shots as they're like they're doing the thing and I, I have trouble describing it but it's like this thing that these sort of pastors do where they put their hands on a person's head and like they try to get the person to like go limp or whatever and speak in tongues and it's like cutting away to like there's this one specific person that cuts away to it's this dude who was like so intense and he's just pointing at Borat with this like like he like a, this look on his face like he wants to kill him but like it's like you will accept Jesus like it's it's you know it's it's trying to have you it's it's almost like it's saying like what joke can we possibly make here look how intense look how this these is. people are already yeah. acting yeah you know look because how whole, feverish it is yeah there is this whole bit where this dude is like i didn't come from evolution i didn't i yeah. didn't used to be a tadpole i didn't used to be a monkey 
You know, yeah. it's it's like yeah. it's like that kind of shit. And yeah. I I don't know. It just has a different vibe because it's almost something that is in this more for advancing the quote unquote narrative of Borat right. than actually like being comedic. Uh, because after this, he he regains his drive to visit Pamela, and he goes with these church members to Los Angeles, where he gets off the bus in front of Grauman's Chinese Theater and immediately runs into Azamat. Uh, I, I I thought he was supposed to be dressed as Charlie Chaplin, but Wikipedia so says he was he was supposed to be dressed as Oliver Hardy, who I am not familiar with. Yeah, Borat says he's dressed as Hitler, though, which is stupid yeah really it's a really dumb joke and they you know they get into it in front of the theater and then a guy dressed like the grim reaper steps in <laughs> um, which is actually extremely good it's, it's like, very uh, funny yeah um, yeah and then they All make these people a, are watching yeah, yeah they make up um and then azamat takes borat to his like shitty motel room where you get this he's where he's basically like i knew you would make it here i prepared this file on pamela anderson for you <laughs> and then you get this like sight gag where for whatever reason i don't remember what it is as opens his fridge and you just like see in the fridge is the bear's head on a plate really and, i missed that yeah and it's such a stupid sight gag and it's only there for like a second but i looked at it and i was like oh for fuck's sake um <laughs> and yeah so they basically azamat tells borat that pamela anderson is doing a book signing and borat is like shocked by this idea that a woman can write a book um wah, and, wah. and so borat decides that they are going to go to this historical event uh to meet Pamela Anderson and so that Borat can marry her and then Borat basically is like let's get the sack basically um so a a couple things about this which is essentially kind of the last stretch of this movie um first of all this takes place at a virgin mega store which i think yeah. i think dates this movie more than literally any line of dialogue or human interaction possibly could yeah i uh, I, I think both the fact that it's in a virgin mega store and some of the haircuts on the dudes in the virgin mega store um there's some real mid 2000s uh fringes going on here there's some real bangs with the frosted uh edges going on here but yeah like i saw the virgin megastore and i was like this is oh this was made in like 2005 2006 yeah yeah i will say also i don't mean to part the curtain too much here mm -hmm. but sasha baron cohen has come out and said that this last bit of this movie was staged and pamela oh, yes. anderson was definitely in on it oh, uh, because what yeah. happens here is that he goes to the signing he has this like hand woven like sack that has his name and her name and he's like oh this is this is us we're gonna get married and she's like no i'm i'm good he's like oh that's okay i i don't need you to like like he says something like uh consent isn't like not consent isn't required but like agreement isn't needed or something like that i think what he what happens is so he tries to um like stuff her into the sack and kidnap her and people like rush in to break it up and she like runs mm -hmm. away and he runs after her and i think what he says there is like it's okay i'm nervous too basically 
Well, well, before before oh, he, he puts her something? in the sack. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I, she, I she's that. she's like, oh, I don't think so. And he's like, it's okay. Your agreement isn't isn't necessary. Okay. And then he tries to put her in the sack, and then the chase through the fucking Virgin Mega Store happens. Right. And they go out into the parking lot, and he gets tackled by security. This is like. I don't know. There's not really anything funny to me about this scene, but no, nothing at all. Honestly, it's yeah, it's it's just like okay, he's gonna put this woman in his fucking sack, I guess. But Christ, it's I don't know. It's just not funny, and it's not funny. Like I don't know. Would you say this is like not funny in the sense that it's offensive, or would you say that it's not funny in the sense that it's just not funny? Like where does this fall for you? For me, it just falls in like. It's just not funny. Like there, there's yeah. nothing about it like that offends me uh, per se. Like especially knowing, you that know, they, that she was in on it. That yeah. she was in on it, and that everything was pre-planned, and that it was you know all above board. So like any, and knowing that, and having seen it already, there's no shock value to it. Um, no, no, which I not. like. Uh, obviously, like my memory is not is going to be perfect of this but i don't remember people when i saw it in a theater laughing at it i remember it being like a shock reaction i, um, I think it's because the movie plays it so seriously right like yeah. like there's no there's no comedy presented it's it's like this very serious conclusion to like his big quote unquote emotional arc at like the end of this movie you know yeah, like of like no... him trying and failing to kid to kidnap pamela anderson yeah like there's no like funny exchange between them there's no like there's no nothing between them that sets it up as comedic it is like presented as her just like wanting to sign this thing and have another fucking person done with and then it gets awkward and uncomfortable, and then the next thing you know, he's trying to put her in a sack. You know, like it's none of it. None of it plays in twenty nineteen as no. comedy, essentially. No. for me. No, I would agree. Um, so this is kind of the conclusion of the film. Borat realizes that I don't want someone with big fake boobs. I want real love. Right. And so he goes back to Linnell and they are in love and they move to Kazakhstan together. And the ending of Borat is the cultural enrichment, quote unquote, right. of Kazakhstan now that he has visited the United States. Right. And basically that amounts to he's wearing a nicer shirt. Uh, they are now... <laughs> They are now Christians because I believe at one point in the movie, I think it's when he's with the rodeo guy. The rodeo guy asks him if he's Muslim and he says, no, he's Kazakh. He follows the hawk. So, like, basically the joke here is that, you know, <laughs> he is he is now Christian. Um, yeah. But they still torture the Jews, apparently. Right. Um, and it there's this, like, weird thing where, like... So they go to his house, and, like, all the townspeople are, uh, lined up, like, to go and see Lunel, who is dressed like this, it's sort of, like, almost, like, in, like, this sort of shamanistic 
garb, is that what yes. you would call it? And she's like uh-huh. sitting on a throne in Borat's tiny house, and people are like giving her offerings, and she's like blessing them. They're giving her offerings with like sunflowers. Yeah. She's also hooked up to this horrible like David Lynch nine inch nails like like breast yeah. milking machine for some reason. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's supposed to be a joke. Uh, if it is, it's not funny. There's there's no comedy to it at all. Uh, th- and that's kind of just the end of the movie. Like these people are all lined up to bring her offerings of flowers, uh, and then. We get this last shot of everybody in Kazakh and Borat's village, like waving, and then we cut to credits. But I will say the one thing that we forgot in this ending scene is where he meets the one-armed dude from his village, and this dude now has the rubber sex fist duct tape to his arm as a prosthetic, which is really, really fucking stupid. But it 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 (laughs) it made me laugh. So there's also the um the joke about his neighbor because like at the start when he's taking you through the um the town he shows you his neighbor who's like oh he's an asshole you know i get a i get a window he must get a window i get a stairs he must get a stairs or whatever and it shows at this point like his neighbor has an ipod and he's like i got an ipod but he only got an ipod mini and like that's the joke and it's just yeah. like oh. it's like ipod ipod minis are for girls yeah uh that also really dates this movie because oh, yeah. fucking iPod. Remember the goddamn iPod? Yeah. Like one of the yeah. really old ones too with like the circular pad mm-hmm. on the front, like black yeah. and white screen. I had, I had one of those, yeah. Yeah. Well, that actually that actually does it for our first rewatch of uh of Borat, uh cultural learnings of America from Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. Yeah. I feel like we did a lot of legitimate cultural criticism on this first foray that is probably <laughs> going to ultimately fall to the wayside if we continue doing this. Yeah. Because I feel I feel like when you watch this for the first time, you really just kind of have to air your grievances with it and yes, like get into the get into like the the kind of uh, face-first sort of experience of what Borat is and how well it's aged. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious if we keep doing this, how this movie is going to continue to reveal itself to us. What's your um, what's your take on Borat this first time around? Like, if you had to rate this on a scale out of 10, what what rating would you give Borat on this kind of first blush? Oh, I think it's... It's very difficult to, like, assign this a score in my mind because, you know, like we sort of talked about um, at the start of this movie, it is such a timepiece, um, yes. you know, that I think if you if you treat it as what it is in the sense of this is an encapsulation of the time it was made, the era it was made, and the attitudes of the people at that point in time, I think it scores relatively high. But when you look at it through the lens of 2019 and you see the things that it has influenced in comedy, sure, which, you know, it's, it's helped influence some great stuff, but like, it is also like prescient in a way that is very depressing. Um, uh-huh. and is, it is hard to watch in, an era where things have sort of only gotten worse 
Um, yes. I think, yes. I think like, if, if this was, like, you know, it, it, if this was one of those things where you could look at it 13 years later and say, wow, wasn't it wild that people used to think like that or people used to act that way? Like, you could maybe look at it more kindly, but all of the all of the negative things that Borat shows us have only gotten worse, and I think... Yes. And because of that, like, it is very hard for me to sit here and be like, oh, it's a 7 out of 10, so I think I'm gonna have to... I would score it pretty low, maybe like a two or a three, because I think there are, you know, like we talked about, a couple of genuinely funny, wild moments, but there's so much of it that is just, like, uncomfortable. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, a four out of ten if I had yeah, to if I, I had to pick. Fair. Um, I, I agree. That's the fucked up thing about this, is that Borat is this, is this, like, incredibly, like dumb movie but it still stands as this cultural artifact that is terrifyingly gruesomely relevant at the same time you know right like 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 half of this movie is just like shit half of this movie is like actually funny but overall it is like it's like this it's like a skin tag you know (laughs) where it just it just keeps hanging on and you wish you could get rid of it but like I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's, it's hard to quantify <laughs> because yeah. I wish it, I wish it could just be something like, um, like, you know, like scary movie or like meet the Spartans where you're like, Oh, this is a very, uh, noted marker of the time in which it was made, but obviously it's not going to hold water now. Right. But there's, there's almost this sinister undertone to watching Borat in 2019. Exactly. We are like, we are like, Oh fuck, this could have been made like today. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been funny in the way that it was funny in 2006, but it would have been like, still semi-relevant but you also don't really want to give it that kind of credit because so mm-hmm. much of it is so bad yeah i don't know it, it's a complicated film and if we keep going with this i definitely am looking forward to diving into borat in this very unexpected way you know so uh i don't know is there anything else that we want to add as we wrap up the kind of episode zero of borat club is there anything you want to like plug since this is your podcast like like what do we, how do we want to how do we want to roll this out i think i think at this point it's our podcast uh for the until one of us or both of us get sick of it and we have to find somebody else um mm-hmm. so yeah i guess we should just plug our stuff then um uh we don't currently have a Borat Club Twitter. We probably will, uh, which is probably going to be how you're figuring or <laughs> discovering this, maybe. I am um, going to make a Twitter tonight and work okay, on a, a piece of album art tomorrow when I have great. time. Awesome. Um, so as far as the stuff I do on the side, uh, you can catch me podcasting, reviewing video games, uh, occasionally doing streams and stuff like that. Uh, over at videogamechoochoo.com that's choochoo like a train or for ease of finding it you can find us at chooch.biz c-h-o-o-c-h dot biz <laughs> uh, weekly podcasts video game reviews uh, yeah Ryan used to work there that's sort of how we went from like 
vague and dramatic that's, acquaintances to friends, I guess. So. That's how we met. Yeah, the whole thing yeah. was that I, 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 we were mutuals on Tumblr for a right. while. And then, like, way, way back. Um, and then you retweeted a call for writers, and I, I, I worked for the site. And right. uh, we, we kind of hung out, because it turns out we were both big fans of the drone metal band Sun. Yes, so, yeah. Sun is now like two degrees of separation from Borat. If yeah. that makes you feel any better yeah. Ho- about hopefully this, hopefully someday we'll get Stephen O'Malley on the show to <laughs> hear what he thinks about Borat. Borat, I would love that. I would love that. We gotta aim for the top. Yeah. You know? uh, I I only have one thing to plug. Uh, if you're listening to this, you probably I'm assuming that when this episode releases, you will have found it through my Twitter which means you are probably aware of the show I do called Emoji Drome. That is, uh, that is me and Andy Clare from the Tabletop Games podcast, Friends at the Table. Mm-hmm. Every week we pick a specific emoji and we rate and review it based on the different designs from various phone providers. It's real fucking stupid. Uh, at the time of recording, the same day we just released number 69 on the nice. eggplant emoji real real dumb bullshit if you like i I hate to say this but this podcast on borat i have taken way more seriously than the actual (laughs) podcast i do on emoji like when i do stuff on emoji i'm when i do stuff on emoji i'm like yeah yeah you know this one does kind of look like a penis when i talk about borat i'm like well actually borat was made possible by the social trauma provided by the september 11th attacks (laughs) so i don't know Real, uh, real fucking dumb. Uh, you can find me, unfortunately, on Twitter at SewerPeak, one word. Uh, check it out if you're so inclined. Like I said, you're probably finding out about this through that Twitter account. So fairly, uh, fairly redundant, I would say. Niall, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this experience, this this Borat, this Borat journey. I would say uh, thank you Ryan for uh for joining me because this never would have happened if I didn't have a willing uh co-test subject I guess <laughs> um, yeah it is uh, it is absolutely my pleasure so uh stay tuned I guess we'll yeah. see where this goes bye see ya <laughs>